Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning to all of you that brave the cold and are here, to those of you online who may be traveling or on your way home. It is so good to have you here. My name is Chris Bickett, as Laura mentioned, and I am the student ministries pastor. And this morning, I get to help you welcome in the first Sunday of 2022. Can we get a cheer? <laughs> okay, half-hearted, that's all right. I think that's okay, though, because honestly, as I was scrolling through Facebook, just trying to relax a little bit, yes, I'm old, you guys, Facebook, um, there were a few pictures that caught my eye, and I had to laugh. So here's the first one. I think this kind of depicts your little half-hearted cheer here. We're poking at 22 from around the corner with a long stick. And then here was the other one that I saw. Before I agree to 2022, I'm going to have to see the terms and conditions. I feel like that's kind of where I'm at this year, is I definitely need terms, I definitely need conditions, and I want an option out plan. It feels like the last couple of years have kind of promised and then either deflated or really hit hard. And honestly, I'm a little leery of what 2022 may have in store. But we're gonna keep moving ahead. So partway through my college career, I transferred and I ended up at Black Hill State University in Spearfish, South Dakota. And when I transferred here, I only knew a couple of people and one of those happened to introduce me to the college ministry group that was on campus. And there I began meeting with a few people and developing a friendship with a smaller group that was within there. And through this time, this group began inviting me into things. Um, they would ask me to go to coffee with them. They would ask me to go to the local diner because Spearfish was very small. Um, they would ask me to do things like maybe go to the movies. They would ask me to uh, go hiking with them because Spearfish uh, Canyon is gorgeous around there. If you're not familiar, think Mount Rushmore and then add canyon and a lot of trees and water. So there's a lot of places to go hiking and they also did a lot of rock climbing. So some of you may have heard before that there was this really cute guy that was into rock climbing and he invited me to go with the groups that would rock climb and so because he was a cute guy, I said yes. Now, the interesting thing is the more they started inviting me to do things, the more I began glowing and so I began learning how to climb and getting the basics down. Now, just so you guys are aware, this cute guy that invited me is still cute today and he's also my husband. So it's okay for me to be talking about this. But anyway, at that particular time when they first began inviting me, it was a really, really challenging time in my life. Before um, I thought of him as a cute guy, he was just a friend, because I was actually in the process of going through a divorce. And I was really young, and it was really hard. And so these friends kept inviting me, and they kept saying, come hang out with us, come do things, and I kept saying yes. And then um, after the divorce was done, I started recognizing how much cuter he got uh, the further away from the divorce I was. So one day there was this group of four of us that went climbing in the canyon. And um, Paul and Mark knew how to climb. They were the experienced ones, and so they were gonna do a more difficult route. And that left a gentleman named Levi and I to do the easier route together. Now, um, I'm gonna have you throw that picture up. This is actually Spearfish Canyon. This route is more difficult than what we were doing. This is a 512, we were doing like a 55. So basically imagine the straight part of the wall, only it was straight 
all the way down for us. But we were up against the trees like that, just right up against the rock wall. And so um, we got set up, and then Paul came over to check and make sure that I was correct, because Levi was going to be the one climbing up on the wall, and I was going to be the one on belay, which in this picture is the person that's on the ground. And so the person on the ground is actually really important. The rope attaches from the climber to the person on belay, and then the person on belay holds onto the rope so that as the person climbs, you pull the rope in to keep it somewhat taut, depending on the level of the climber. And then if they were to fall off the rock, the person on belay holds the rope so that they can't go very far. So it's a really important job. It's very much a safety factor to be on belay. And so this particular day, I'm at the base of the rock. Levi's getting ready to climb. Paul comes to make sure everything is technically set so there's no accidents. And then he proceeds to tie a rope around my waist, which had never happened before. And he tied a rope to the tree behind me. And I was kind of miffed at first because I was like, um, I may not be that great, but I know how to belay by now. Like, we've been doing this long enough. I know how to do this. Only come to find out it was actually a technical thing. Because the role of physics is that if somebody is larger and heavier than you, they are going to move you. So in this case, Levi, the gentleman that I was climbing with, was about six feet tall, if not a little taller. And he was twice as much as I weighed. So should he be climbing and fall off of that wall, it was guaranteed almost that I would not stay on the ground. So Paul had tied and anchored me to a tree behind me. And um, Angie, if you'll throw up that physics picture. Oh, sorry, I'm getting, yep, there you go. So this is what happens. If they, the higher they climb, when they fall, they have a lot further to come down. And you clip in along the way, as you can see, but it can lift you up off the ground. I'm so out of order, Angie. Will you go back to that other one now? So the guy on the bottom here, if you notice, he has the orange rope going up to the climber, and then he has the rope going behind him to a tree. That is what Paul did to me. It didn't look quite as nice as that. We didn't have the orange rope, but he tied me to the tree. So sure enough, Levi starts climbing, and he gets about halfway up the wall, and he falls unexpectedly. Now, sometimes you will feel yourself starting to slip, and you will say, falling, and that prepares the person on the bottom to lock on. I had no warning. So I am holding the rope, and I'm on belay, but all of a sudden, he is coming off of the wall, and I am flying up into the air until that rope attached to the tree caught me. So I was up in the air for a few seconds until Levi could get a grip, and I was able to lower just a little bit to get back onto the ground, and we were both safe. But I tell you what, that feeling, that anticipation of just not having any preparation and suddenly being flung into the air while he was free-falling got quite the adrenaline rush from both of us. So the rope did its work. It was my anchor. It kept me pretty close to the ground, and it kept Levi from falling from where he was completely to the ground. Because if I would have let go of that rope, if I would have not been tied to the tree, we would have met each other, and chances are good he would have kept coming down because he was heavier than me, and I would have kept going up. Thankfully, the safety rope was in place. It was a precaution, but it was one that was needed in the long run. I think as we head into 2022, that's what a lot of us may be feeling like. We're anticipating. We're thinking, what if? Some of us may be really excited and we're gung-ho to get into it because this is the new year and it's a new chance and it's new beginnings and we have things on the horizon. But some of us may be feeling a little leery. 
Some of us may be feeling a little burned or a little tired or a little just uncertain because the last two years have brought a lot of uncertainty into our lives. But the great thing is that life has always had anticipation. It's always had uncertainty heading into new things, even back as far as the Old Testament. If we were to take out our Bibles and to go back, the Old Testament is filled with anticipation. It is filled with all kinds of questions and uncertainties and doubts, but it is also filled with a promise. Throughout the Old Testament, God promises that the world that is in a mess and hurting and creating more mess, that there is a hope to come. It is promised to them. So for thousands of years, they hold on to this promise, and it doesn't arrive until we reach the New Testament, which is where Jesus comes into the picture. Because Jesus is the answer to that promise. So what we're going to talk about today is how Jesus, the Son of God, is our anchor, if we allow him to be. The writer of Hebrews says this, This hope, meaning Jesus, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So we're not only talking about our physical safety being anchored like to the tree so that we don't go flying. We're talking about being anchored within our soul, within who we are. Anchors are good because they keep us safe and they help us when things are potentially dangerous or spinning or we're uncertain, when we can be going into places that we don't know. But a lot of times our anchors are not actually secure. Let me ask you, what is your anchor right now? If you were to start feeling scared or uncertain, if you were to have a difficult challenge, if you were hurting or questioning, what do you turn to to feel stable? For some of us, it might be our family, or maybe it's our friends. For some of us, it may be work. That's the thing that's constant. We know we can turn to every time for consistency. For some of us, it may be routines that we feel like we can control, or it may be addictions, healthy or unhealthy, because we feel good after that little adrenaline rush until things crash again. So where do we turn for our anchor? There was a group of men at the beginning of the New Testament who were just doing their everyday lives. They were doing things, they were hanging out, they were working, and then ultimately, along the way, they became friends. Now, there was a reason they became friends, because what had happened was there was a man called John the Baptist who had been told that his assignment from God was to prepare the way or prepare the people for the coming Christ, meaning Jesus. This was the promise that was all throughout the Old Testament, that there is one to come who will be called the Messiah or the Christ. And so John knew that the day was coming, that this was going to happen. John was out teaching, and he was kind of a non-traditional teacher. He didn't wear the robes, he didn't do everything that the Sadducees and Pharisees and the religious teachers did. He was actually out in the wilderness, and he was just telling people about the one who was to come about what to expect, about what the promise was going to be, 
when he arrived. And John the Baptist actually ends up baptizing Jesus out in the wilderness. And it's not until he baptizes him that he realizes this is the Messiah. Because in that moment, God revealed it to John the Baptist. So John the Baptist has now seen Jesus. He's now baptized Jesus. And Jesus is now commissioned to begin his ministry of teaching. Up until this point, Jesus was a carpenter. And he was a son. And he was a friend. He didn't have special titles at this point. We're going to start today in the book of John. So this is not John the Baptist who is out there in the wilderness baptizing. This is another John who later becomes a follower of Jesus. But I want you to hear John's words and his explanation of what happened in order for him to meet Jesus. It starts in chapter 1, verse 35, where John says, The following day, John again, meaning John the Baptist here, was standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John the Baptist looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, I'm going to pause here. The two disciples are named Andrew and John, who's the author of this. The two disciples heard this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following and said, What do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Imagine what it would have felt like if you were Andrew and John. Your whole life, you've been hearing about this person who is to come. You've been hearing how this person is going to be the promise to save the world and clean up all of this mess that we're in. And here he is. The teacher that they've been learning from says, look, there's the Messiah. There he goes. And they get up from their current teacher and they begin following Jesus. And Jesus says to them, what do you want? The Savior. The hope for the world. The one who answers all of the promises that have been made. Says, what do you want? And they say, where are you staying, teacher? Now, I love Jesus' answer. He looks at them and he says, come and see. Come and see. And so they go with Jesus and they go back to his house. Now, these are regular guys. These are people that are making a living from the sea. They're learning. They're doing all of the normal things and now they have met the one. And he says, come, see. So they walk with him and they spend time. And then it goes on to say that Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew, catch this word, Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Think about that. Andrew and John have simply spent the afternoon with Jesus. They've met him for the first time. And now he's doing what I think most of us would do. Hey, come here. He gets his brother and says, come here. So looking intently at Simon, Jesus says, Your name is Simon, son of John. But you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. 
You see, I can feel the excitement and the anticipation in here of come, come and meet Jesus. And then when he gets there, he's never met Jesus before. He looks at him and says, well, we're going to change your name. And the reason Jesus changes his name is because Peter has a specific meaning. It means the rock. But what's really interesting is in this moment when he meets Jesus as Simon, he's not Peter yet. Peter is going to grow and develop into his name, the rock. Jesus accepts him right where he is as Simon. But Jesus doesn't stop inviting at Andrew and Peter and John. He goes on. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, what does he say? What does he say? Say it. Come. He says, come, follow me. You see, Philip and Andrew and Peter probably knew each other because they were from their hometown. Not sure how big it was exactly. I didn't do that research. But they probably knew each other. But Jesus finds him and says, come. So Jesus has now invited Andrew and Peter and Simon. Uh, not Simon. Simon is Peter. Too many names going on. He's now invited Andrew and Peter, who are brothers, and John is part of the picture, and now we also have Philip. He extends the invitation, only they don't want to keep it to themselves. They decide that they want to go get another. And so we pick it up in verse 45, and it says, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now catch this. Nazareth, exclaims Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now that's my interpretation. He may have been sarcastic. He may have also just been straight up questioning. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Maybe he was kind of doubtful. Really? Nazareth? I think we've all been in places where we wonder and we doubt and we're sarcastic and we're just like, I'm just not sure. Really? Are you being honest with me here? But that's what Nathaniel says. And so listen to Philip's answer. He says, come and see for yourself. So Jesus all along has been saying, come and see. Now these men who have spent some time with him are beginning to do it for other people. Come and see. I've met him. I've been around him. Come. You come and see. As they approached, Jesus said, talking about Nathanael, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. You see, in that moment, Nathanael was seen. Not just physically, for who he was, but he was seen inside for who he was. God said, you are a man of integrity. He knew that, and he called it out because Jesus could see. I love that Jesus began his ministry to save the world with an invitation to messy people living their ordinary, basic lives. And all he said was, come and see. 
follow me. There's no manipulation. There's no, this is my stats. Simply an invitation. Because Jesus knew if they would come, they would see. Jesus is an anchor. He began a relationship with those men who were living their ordinary lives. And they began spending time with him. And eventually, they become followers. And he calls them his disciples, his apostles. And there are some others that get mentioned and explained in the other Gospels. But I love this version because it's not simply the image of them at work and Jesus says, follow me, and they're like, woohoo, we're out of here, and they go marching, which very well may have happened. But I love this image that Jesus just says, come, just come and see. That's all you have to do, come and see. He invited them to have a relationship and to spend time because he knew what he had to offer. So my question What if Jesus desires to have a relationship with us today? What if it is one of his deepest desires that we know him? Honestly, it may seem scary. Sometimes for me, it's like I don't know that I'm ready. I don't know that I'm quite qualified. I don't know, Jesus, you know, do you know what happened this weekend? Did you see how I treated my kids or my husband or, you know, some of the thoughts that I had about that driver? Did you really? And Jesus says, come. I want to have a relationship with you. So for me, songs really speak to my heart. They can be very moving and impactful. And there's one that has just been on repeat the last several weeks for me. It's actually a song that we have sang here before. But I don't want you to listen to the song. Because the music is very moving and very powerful. But within this song, the words have even more meaning and are more powerful. So I want you to really focus on the words So my challenge is if you are a musical person and you start getting the music in your head, try to shut that off for just a moment and listen to the words. Now, if you connect best by reading, go ahead and read. But if you get distracted because you're reading ahead, close your eyes and just listen to some of these lyrics. Imagine that Jesus is the one speaking to you right now. Come now, as you are or as you want to be. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come now, tired, broken, scared, or just in need. Ready or not, it's all right. Take your time, if nothing else. Just come. Come now. Bring your hopes, your dreams, your doubts, your scars. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come now. Bring your hurts, your fears, your faith, your heart. 
Are you ready? Are you ready or not? You see, he's asking us to come. It's an open-handed invitation with no expectations and no manipulations. It's as different as the color of our hair or the lack of hair for some of you. But his invitation for us to come is for us, right where we are right now. And we often say, God, I'm not ready. Because we have reasons and justifications that we feel we need to meet before we say yes to Jesus. To the simple invitation to come. And he's saying that's not necessary. He's saying, if you're willing to simply come, I will show you. You don't have to do anything but come. Be in my presence and slowly work on a relationship with me. I read a statistic that I'm trusting the source that said that it takes us about 50 hours to go from an acquaintance to a friend. It takes about 200 hours to move from friend to close friend. Developing relationships take time, and they can only happen when we are together. And so Jesus is simply saying, come and see. Keep listening. These are the reasons we can trust his words, and all of these statements are founded in the Bible, God's word of truth. He's still faithful to deliver, mighty as ever to save. He's still good on his promises, and his love still never fails. He's not moved by perfection. Some of you need to hear that again. He is not moved by perfection or how well we look the part. But he is wild about the hidden stuff, like he's wild about the heart. Come now, for all we have seen, we ain't seen nothing yet. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come now and bring him praise for what he might do next. 2020, are you ready? He's already bought our freedom and he's already paid our debt. He's already done the miracle and he's already conquered death. He's our light and our salvation. He's our rock solid hope. He's already done enough for us and he's already doing more. He's already seen the ending and he's already seen us through and he's already breaking out of us. He's already on the moon. Listen to this. He's already won our battles. He's already paved the way. He's already gone ahead of us and he is ready when we are. Come. Whether you're meeting him for the first time or you've walked with him for a really long time and you want to go deeper in your relationship with him, he is giving the invitation to come just as you are right now into his presence. He promises he is good and safe and solid. The enemy wants us to be separated and isolated. He wants us to think that there is no hope 
because of what we have gone through and what we are afraid of might come. It's a lie. Jesus says, come, I am your anchor and your steadfast hope. He is the one that holds us safe when we feel like we're flying off of the ground or we're falling to the ground. He is the one that holds us tight. The disciples did ministry together because they spent time together with Jesus. He prepared them along the way. Simon became Peter because Jesus prepared him to be the rock, not because he was the rock when he met Jesus. Wherever we are, God has plans and paths for us that he is preparing us for, so he wants us right here, right now, in this moment, to come and then just to be with him. You see, that group that invited me into their friendship that I was talking about at the beginning of my college years at Black Hill State, they simply invited me. Life was not good or pretty for me at that point for any reason. I was broken, and I was hurting, and I was longing, and I was making very poor choices. And this group that had already met Jesus simply said, come hang out with us. Because by doing that, they allowed me to meet Jesus through them until I was ready to meet Jesus myself. Come. I'm extending an invitation to you today. Jesus' invitation began with what would become his disciples, but in that moment, we're just ordinary men. Come and see. So I'm inviting you today. Come and see. Simply meet with Jesus, and he will do the rest. I'm committed somewhat to 2022. I still have a little hesitancy but I also have hope because Jesus is my anchor. And so the tough things that may come will be tough, but he promises to hold me and you safe through it all because he has already done, he is already doing, and he will do. Jesus is with us and he is our anchor. So I'm going to commit myself to hope, to trust, and believe that no matter what, I am solid in the midst of everything because Jesus is my anchor. My invitation is will you come and make him your anchor? Will you pray with me, please? God, you are so good to us. You are faithful. You are loving. You promised us a way through the mess. And that promise came through the birth of a baby named Jesus. We thank you so much, Jesus, that you loved us enough that you want a relationship with us, that you take us in our mess right where we are. No cleanup necessary. 
and you simply say, come, because you know what you have to offer is the best. And you know that when we come and spend time with you, we want a relationship that is life-giving, life-fulfilling, and eternal. Thank you that you loved us that much. Thank you for this simple invitation that it doesn't have to be complex. Thank you that when we spend time with you, you change us. You walk with us through it all. And no matter what comes, you are our solid anchor. Our joy in the midst, our hope in the midst of everything. Thank you for this new year. Thank you for the opportunities that it holds. And I pray that as we go into it, we look for your goodness, we look for your hope, and we look to see how you are moving and working in our lives and those around us. Help us to accept your invitation to come. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.